Hello, listener. This is Isaac, and Shay is right next to me here. We made it to episode two of our show. Congratulations. Uh, I thought the first one was a great success. Great success. And I'm looking forward to the future here with all my homies here and all my listeners. Uh, right before we got on, everybody, we were talking about who our uh, president would be in 2024. And uh, I think Shay and I came up with a pretty good president and vice president but we might need some help on figuring out the rest of the cabinet. And I don't even know what the fuck it is. Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie? Ugh, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, Abu Ubaidah, the leader of Hamas. Uh, Hamas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we really like his infrastructure. He does a really just guy game to America and get him a citizenship. Well, anyway, I thought we'd uh, start episode two just with a recap of what we discussed last week, which was... Uh, the Israeli genocide of Gaza. And I, I'm, I'm, I think everyone else is like me and experiencing just a mental frustration with the way our country is responding to such a thing. Uh, case in point, you know, <laughs> go to any interview with the secretary, uh, spokesperson, uh, what is his name? Miller, I think it is, or Kirby, Kirby James Kirby. Kirby. Yep. John Kirby. Yeah. He's just, it's unbelievable. It's just like a complicit a in genocide. Yeah. Yeah. It was a shitty admiral, but now he's up there saying, oh, no, you know, uh, incinerating children, you know, it's it's part of the American dream, um, which it is. But just last week, the United States vetoed a, a UN proposed ceasefire. Uh, they vetoed it. Security Council, they have the ability to veto those things in the UN. So. The U.S. was the entire world voted in favor of it, and the U.S. said no, and that was just completely frustrating. And and I mean, you expect this from this kind of country, but goddamn, just the footages that we're seeing coming out of Gaza, man, it's it turns you a little bit, Shay, you know. And you know the the CNN called it an Arab-backed ceasefire resolution, which was really funny to me. I think it was CNN that said this. And I, I guess that's just implying that, you know, it's it's nefarious ceasefire, you know, they're going to go support terrorism or something like that. It's just kind of feeding into our anti-Arab and anti-Muslim Palestinian racism that's built in our country. And that really just infuriates me. It just It's an acceptable group to strip rights of and to kill overseas, American and citizens overseas. At this too. point, a ceasefire is something that the american people overwhelmingly support oh yeah yeah at the very least they just want to stop seeing the footages and the united states is not going to do and this. time and time again you hear the fucking people in the biden administration saying how frustrated he is with um netanyahu and oh he's yeah. getting so mad and, da, 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 and it's like man that doesn't do anything and here we have a chance to actually do something about this and I think we we've really crossed put our money where our mouth was here. And we've fucking crossed a Rubicon on that issue, man. Like it's, it's not just that we need a ceasefire. I really, I think it's legit that we should be putting these people in the Hague at the very least, you know, or impaled on a spike. Well, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> like Christ. Uh, like, Americans. Well, not just the Americans, the Israeli leaders should be, especially. Yeah, they're, but if, um, if we had a little lap dog, so, you know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah, when I will buy this president, I mean, there is a thing where we can, the we can invade the Hague. If I mean, yeah, an American gets 
Yep. That's what we can do. Because we are, you know, we're the beacon of light. We are the the heroes of democracy. Well, we don't do anything wrong. Yeah, we don't do anything wrong and we don't get to be allowed to. We are, in fact, uh, perfect. Yeah. And we get to support the most genocidal people across the world, including uh, these Zionist Nazis. I think it's interesting how they have the the ambassador to the UN here, the the envoy we send to uh, actually be there and physically veto this is a black woman yeah so you can put a they do every, it's the colin powell thing every you know? <laughs> oh my god it is dog like every like expression of american empire or white supremacy i'm thinking of like when they made kamala go out there right. against the right. migrants and say don't come you know mm-hmm. everything they do they want to put it in the face of someone who isn't white in the name of diversity. I think there's that. And as well, it's going to be for some people really easy to demonize just that specific individual yeah. as well. Instead of the administration. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's going to be a lot easier to take that route when you are going to be levying criticism towards that decision. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to, I, I, you know, for the most part, I think people are seeing right through that. And I mean, she, she kind of gets, she, I mean, but still, I just think it's I interesting. Think people how, are blaming Biden, but she also like, like the, the inhumanity of her raising that hand. Listeners should go look up when I they know. veto it. It's yeah. just like such a nonchalant thing while there are people buried in the ground. Just doing what you're told, huh? Dog. Like just people missing limbs. You know, there's a like when the Super Bowl happened and there was a bombing, there was a famous photo of a girl with no limbs just hanging off of a wall. Like, this is what America is supporting. And like even the Doctors Without Borders went and did a speak, a speaking hearing in front of the U.N. and said that most children under five years old want to die in Gaza. Because they're either yeah. missing a family member, a parent, a brother, or a all sister, of their family members. or literally everyone. And they'll just go and lay in the middle of the road and hope to get run over because yeah. they realize that there's no family. People are Nothing eating grass to home to. and sewage water yeah. to survive, ladies and gentlemen. This is what the United States is supporting. And we were supporting it in Yemen. We were supporting it in other countries around the world throughout history. Uh, we're currently doing it. We're currently starving a nation like in Venezuela. We, we are complicit in these things. And you just really got to keep that in mind, part of your anger and, and, and just how to express it and, and the right way to do it. Like there's so many people who are protesting now. It's much different than when I was younger, when I went to free Palestine rallies when I was a kid and there was, you know, <laughs> 24 people, <laughs> you know, just standing right outside, right on a corner. We're looking for a honk. Yeah, stuff. I, I remember seeing that on, you, you know, Summit Avenue. Yep. Would wave. That was probably the first time I've seen the Palestinian flag in public. Yeah. Was when was anti-war that? Anti-war protesters when I was much younger. So I must have been, you know, nine or 10, yep. 11. And now there's hundreds of thousands was, of people so protesting ago. around the country, you know, constantly, you know. That might have been the 2006... Lebanon incursion, right? Where they got humiliated. <clears throat> yeah. No, th- this this is a America is called bull of this guys, and everything you see, the footage you see on social media, and even on television news, you need to understand who is supplying the bombs and the guns, and who is allowing. Really, what who are really just a, like a modern day like Nazi group in Israel and the not in. Zionists. Well, we are the it's just a right. reaction. It's a it's reality. No other way to describe it. 
they've been talking about how excited they are about burning down all of Gaza and building Sephora's and really shitty pizza shops and ugly things on the beach of Gaza. Parking ramps. Yeah. This yeah. is, a, this is, this is, if there's any case, textbook case of genocide, it is with this Gaza thing. And it's, it's causing a lot of people around the world, really. I mean, we talked last week about a, a Shiite group in Yemen, you know, doing what they can in their dingboats. And it's just crazy stuff. that these people want nothing more than to level Gaza and then just turn it into a uh, fucking West St. Paul, dude. I yeah. mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, they want, they want to destroy it and institute, institute, institute capitalism into their country, into, into the area. That's right. what they want to do. It's, it's uh, no one has ruined the land of Palestine more than the Zionists. They have disturbed, destroyed it. Yeah. But speaking of which, like this, we're recording this just a day after uh, a U.S. soldier. We were talking about all the people passionate about this. A U.S. soldier burnt himself. Uh, self-immolated. It, self-immolated. The technical. Term. Yeah. Self-immolated with gas um, in front of the Israeli embassy in D.C. Um, uh, this man did the ultimate sacrifice, in my opinion. Uh, what was his name again, Shay? Uh, Aaron, Aaron Bushnell. Bushnell. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. Did you guys? Airman, did you, right? Yeah, Airman. Yep. He, uh, his last words were pretty, it gave you a good, clear reason on why he did it. Like he was ending the, the genocide and wanted to end the genocide in Gaza. No wanted to be complicit. Yeah. He didn't want to be complicit anymore as a soldier. And that's a powerful thing. Like it's, it's rare. Like, you know, we had someone self immolate themselves in December outside the consulate in Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, for the same issue and uh, no one, there was no news on it today. There was a two minute segment on CNN on this story. First time. Really anything you that. see from the Western media too, is just, um, Oh, us airman immolates himself um, in front of the. Yeah. They don't is, say why. Really, <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no reason as to why. Yeah. He was mentally ill. They're saying he was mentally ill, unwell, lit himself on fire. They talked about, oh, this is a, a microcosm of the tension here. They, they, they don't just say Aaron Bushnell self-immolated himself to protest the genocide in Gaza. Because if they say that, they're done. They, they, the APAC will call in and cancel anyone who's in there. You know? So, I mean, that man, Aaron Bushnell, is an American hero and, you know, we should uh, remember his sacrifice, guys, and honor him. Like he's, 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 you know, we have this. Shay and I both have this criticism of the U.S. military and the people it can attract, but it's never an individual bashing for the most part. It's a criticism of institutions and what they produce and what they do around the world. Sorry, another burp there, I, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um i wouldn't necessarily encourage viewers to watch the footage because it's pretty uh yeah they've released horrific. it on twitch right now the, the, the footage of it I, I think he was streaming it on mm -hmm. twitch. he was, was streaming it on twitch his yeah. attention um but he made it clear that there's you know a uh, ruling class yeah yeah, that was the thing that was that was pretty powerful about his message. It was like, oh, behind this, this is more than just someone with so a moral sense, like a, a conscience. Provides a but framework a, for his yeah, thought. He has a material analysis exactly. of this of the I situation. I think that's pretty important to realize, especially because 
that is not what you're going to get from seeing this on the news. No, absolutely not. At least not. from any of the Western sources. And, okay, I know Shay didn't recommend you guys not to watch it, but in the footage, there's a cop. There's two cops, particularly. One is saying, get a fire extinguisher. You know, like the most rational thing you can say about, like, when you see someone light themselves on fire. And then there's another fucking pig with, with his gun drawn and pointing yeah. right at the guy. I mean, I didn't know how much. The entire time. sit there and criticize <laughs> that. That's something... It seems like on the comment threads, a lot of the libs really didn't care about anything but the fact that the cop drew his weapon. And it's like, well, that still you're missing the point here. Yeah, that's true. And the point is, this man made the ultimate sacrifice for a cause that is greater than himself, which completely flew over their fucking heads. The discourse on Twitter was pretty rough on that. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and laugh at the cops, but like, it's trite. We already fucking know that they're clowns. Yeah. It was funny though to hear the guys. I don't need any guns. I need a damn fire extinguisher. Yeah, Um, yeah. But still, like, don't let that distract you from the real reason why Mr. Bushnell. And you know, there were a lot of people, more than uh, people I could probably agree with on most issues, talking about the effectiveness of that and how it's not an effective method of protest. And I just completely disagree with that. Well, completely. It it is a tough one because what, what is it going to do? Especially when, what is it trying to appeal to like a sense of humanity? And these people, these people are devoid of that. You know, I, it's a tough one. Are you talking Americans or the government? Well, exactly. The people in power, Mm. they're not exactly going to look at that and second guess themselves. But at the same time, I think, if his intention is to appeal to us, then it is up to us to yeah, really take it's really, this as a it's message. Asking, it's taking that as a message that something needs to be done. Like you need right. to have much more right. um, confrontational organizing. Uh, exactly. Uh, tactics. You know, that, that's those are things that are questions for like the anti-war movement for everyone out there who is disgusted with the slaughter. Really, I mean. Yeah, I mean Aaron Bush, uh, Bush, Bushnell. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Bushnell. He he's a hero. I mean, and people who are saying like that doesn't matter. You should go read what the Palestinian resistance factions are saying about this man. I have some of them screenshotted here, and yeah, I think you know they remember. Him. Be wise they, to they honor they honored him for what he's done. There. So let me uh, let me go find this real quick. Um, we in the Islamic resistance movement, this is Hamas, expresses our deepest condolences and full solidarity with the family and friends of American pilot Aaron Bushnell, who immortalized his name as a defender of human values and the grievances of the Palestinian people who are suffering because of the U.S. administration and its unjust policies. Just as American activist Rachel Corey was crushed by a Zionist bulldozer in Rafah in 2003. The same city that Bushnell paid with his life to pressure his government to prevent the criminal Zionist army from attacking it and committing massacres and violations in it. That's Hamas. Here's a Houthi fighter, Abdul Karib. For some reason, some of these guys are on Twitter, which is awesome. <laughs> but, Shout you know, out Elon. Uh, sure. <laughs> he says, Allah is the greatest. By God, his shoelaces are greater than those of the Arab rulers. Which I'm sure sounds great in Arabic. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so this man is being honored around the around the Muslim world for his bravery. And and it's a it's a point where Arab citizens in countries like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, 
Saudi Arabia, Egypt, question, and you know, talk about their effectiveness or not, question how come our rulers are doing nothing when a soldier who has no, no connection to Palestine is doing something that heroic. So, you know, uh, I had a prayer for, for Mr. Aaron today, and I gotta remember how to say it. But, inna lillahi wa inna illahi rajoon. And this is a Muslim prayer you give to those who pass. It's, uh, for we are, we belong to Allah and we shall return to him. So rest in power to a, a real one there in Aaron Bushnell. I know nothing else about your politics. But that kind of sacrifice is what we fucking need. Our generation needs that kind of kick in the ass. <sighs> so that was our intro. And sure, we're... Sure. Uh, yeah. Really, what I want to say with Aaron is, you'll cut that in. I really what I want to say about Mr. Bushnell is, I want to praise this man as one of the bravest, as doing one of the bravest and boldest actions taken by someone who is enlisted in the death machine of the American state. There will be very little formal coverage of the story, and it will get incorrect. And if so, it will be brushed over as a two-minute segment with no context, which is what happened. But we should remember his sacrifice and honor him, honor him tremendously. Now, I'm going to, you know, pity and, and mourn his loss. And now the next American soldier I need who wants to help the cause needs to go watch Avatar, the 2008 movie with the blue people. You need to become Jake Sully. Not only know the ways of the army, but to train with the natives to fight back. And with that, welcome to Freewheeling Philistines, death to America, glory to the Palestinian resistance, and cheers to another great episode. <laughs> so we were supposed to have a lighter story to start out today that involves two cops getting shot, ladies and gentlemen, and murdered in Burnsville. Uh, Burnsville, Minnesota. Uh, for our Minnesota listeners, you know exactly where I'm talking about. For anyone else, it's a, uh, a mid-suburb of the Twin Cities, I gotta say, right uh, off 35W. One of many mid-suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that story was crazy, man. Just the... Yeah, I mean... You know, my dad wakes up pretty early in the morning and he told me he'd heard um what sounded like someone taking a hammer to plywood oh yeah your dad lives about in Burnsville. 30 yeah so um about 5 30 in the morning and that that was him firing shots mm. which yeah it turned out to be a domestic disturbance because right. the guy had what about like nine ten kids in the house women and kids at least seven seven yeah and yeah yeah, and you know he had just he was armed to the teeth, you know, ready to go. Um, fun fact: I had a family member who knows the uh, who taught. Sorry, who taught the son of the murderer? And really, yeah, he's uh he's deaf. So like he went to okay. the school that my my family member teaches at, and mm. and uh, turned out he was not a great kid. <laughs> but well, um, it's a domestic. It, yep, that really explains it. Yeah, the story that came out of Five uh, KSTV. They said that it was an abusive household to both his wife and his kids. It's uh, crazy. 
Yeah. Um, I don't was was he with the person that had filed a like restraining order against him? Yes. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are that's the domestic Who disturbances, the father man. Father or the mother of like three of his kids. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Let me uh, pull up the article. Actually, why not? Oh yeah, when the dad shot and killed the first three responders before taking his own life. So yes, three people actually did die out of this uh, this tragedy that happened in Burnsville. Two cops and uh, a fireman, a little older fella. Um, so that was crazy. It was just like we grew up in that neighborhood, man. So it was like, oh shit, we're gonna be on the news, and that and that was all over the place. AP picked it up, writers. Yeah, it was a did. pretty big story yeah. around here. It was like I'm pretty sure our producer's uh, girlfriend is doing a fundraiser for them. So, you know, it's a pretty big deal right now. Like uh, a story. I mean, a lot of little little Minnesota local Republicans are complaining about lack of cop funding. I don't think it's that, but um, you know, when when you have this many guns around, it's gonna be you're gonna be prone to have people who are mentally ill that to go guns blazing out with the cops. <laughs> So. Yeah, and I mean, this person was not supposed to own guns and had nope. been denied a petition to reinstate his rights to own a weapon. But yep. uh, here we are. Yeah. Shows you how effective that is. <laughs> People are armed to the so, teeth here, man. You can just go across the state lines yeah. and get a gun without a license. I mean, you, not- you can talk all you want about the efficacy of of gun, gun legislation yeah. but i mean the cat is out of the fucking bag here. yeah yeah it's not you got do way anything. too many unstable people in this country too i mean, to mean unless you're too. gonna sit there and offer a million dollars for every <laughs> gun you turn in i mean i just don't see how this problem gets rectified in any meaningful way because no, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could maybe reduce some gun violence by actually investing in in communities in this country well, again, I mean, and, that's and the, dealing that's with the mental thing. health that's crisis. Really, what yeah. we need to be doing is dealing with poverty, <laughs> yeah, issues surrounding you know, crime and things like that that are at the root of all of these issues. But yeah. I mean, that's never what we're going to people be don't saw people don't pull the root out and fix it. They usually no, trim the trees and that's it. Yeah. You just uh gotta or go at water the symptoms. It yep. You just you you criminalize all poor behavior. That's what you do. Jacob Frey, right? But yeah, I mean Burnsville, you know, like I said, it's a mid mid suburb to be honest. Like it's got a couple nice things. Uh I think Buck Hill is in there. You know, you can go a little skiing there, get a little fun there. They Buck got, Hill uh, used to be a uh, Native American hunting hill. Ah, that's that's great to know. The, hey, fucking Christ. Spot the deer. Is, is nowhere here the on the land, like, like just innocent? Like Buck Hill is an Indian. Well, that's why it's called Buck Hill. Because yeah. you could see the bucks down at Crystal Lake oh, on top of the hill. God. And uh, now you just go skiing on it. Yeah, and Andrew Myrick and the rest of the people who founded the state just were like, "Ooh, let me take this." I wonder how they're doing this. You think there's a lot of artificial snow? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been one of the artificial snow in Minnesota, folks. (laughs) That shit is. It's been wild how little snow we've gotten. I think where right now it's like what was it today? Sixty, sixty degrees. Yeah, about sixty-two degrees. Shit, man! It's February twenty-sixth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Buck Hill is, is nice. Is I uh, the high school there is they were called the Burnsville Blaze. My uh, my friends and I we played them, and 
Uh, we beat them 17 to 14 senior year. <laughs> yeah. But By they, the way, before they were the Blaze, they were the Burnsville Braves. The Braves? Oh, another another lovely, you, you know, know. So there's a, there's Indian more, princess kind of appropriation. More of that yeah. going on down there. Uh, you should be angry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, now, there was also the mall down there, the Burnsville Center, right? That was a... Uh, that's that's still Spent around, right? Quite a bit of time there. Actually, <laughs> our producer got us forcibly removed from there one time. Oh yeah, in our younger days. <laughs> yeah, someone thought that it would be wise to use the escalator by putting your feet on the rubber, the handles, you know, <laughs> kind of ride that thing, and uh, we got spotted by. The Renegades, yeah. yeah, and quickly <laughs> escorted out of there, um, which was interesting because I think we were with some individuals who had quitted, uh, committed quite a bit of petty theft, <laughs> and that wasn't the reason why we got kicked out. <laughs> to be honest, that does seem like it was a... because our uh, our producer was having the time of his life riding the escalator. That seems like a very tame thing quite to a kick you out for. Dexterous though. task. Isn't it like like just hanging out on the escalator? That seems like you know like hey a wave. Well, he was like standing on it, uh, you know. Yeah, um, no, the mall, the mall cops, mall cops dangerous. there. Mall cops there suck, and Burnsville Center sucks. It is not like is not what it is. It's like you know when you go to the Roman Coliseum and you just see a bunch of cats, just like they're everywhere. That's kind of what that's kind of what it looks like now. It's just a hollowed like empty husk of a building yeah it's a bit of a liminal space uh, um, man i haven't i haven't been yeah. there in a while but it's when i last was there it was looking sad yeah it's a shell of its former self that's for sure um we're missing the sears the anchor tenant gone Aww. obviously i almost got a job um, there there's a jc penny and a macy's i still think yeah oh you know what is still there though oh my god isn't it still there alamo flags Yes, that, Alamo flags okay, still so that there. That is one of the that more interesting is... current tenants of <laughs> that said mall. Uh, current, they are longtime tenants. They have been there for like fifteen years, dog. Like yeah. they are just they are um, all over it. Like they, I have no idea <laughs> what is keeping them there. Uh, no, I, I have. <laughs> Someone Look, caught on the side, listeners. If you have any information about possibly a money laundering scheme or any nefarious activities that are being conducted by those that uh, operate that particular Alamo flags location. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I actually know the Please people. Please let us know. I think I know, at least I, I know some of the managers. for more information. I <laughs> am um, perplexed as to how this, uh, this store is still there. Well, um, let me tell you, good management is run by Palestinians or at least yeah, Arabs. I mean, Arabs. they sell like, uh, what do they sell? They they sell a lot of flags, flag sport jerseys, pins, uh, counterfeit sport jerseys, oh, illegal American flags because you're supposed to sell the American dream. Only American flags that are made in the United States here in Minnesota, but theirs aren't made in the United States. Where is it made? Honduras, uh, Pakistan. Our comrades over in China. Oh, thank God. More likely. Okay. <laughs> so you have really nefarious thoughts about this Alamo flags i'll tell I, you i just don't know how they're there man <laughs> i really don't understand um i i it boggles the mind and you know my dad still visits so he'd talk 
because you can walk around mm-hmm. and just do whatever and it's warm in there you know yeah. so but uh yeah he'll tell me and you just yeah i have no idea how that how my place is still standing my <laughs> older brother worked there fun fact about yeah like 10 years ago he uh worked as a customer service associate essentially just right. basically sit there and take up sales mm-hmm. and we got a little insight on it. It, it you know when we went there once my my dad made me buy something because he said times are tough Mm-hmm. It was uh, right after the recession, so I just went out. He was probably wrong. I don't think he knew about how resilient <laughs> that yeah. Alamo Flags um, yeah. actually was. Like Fifteen years later, it's still alive. Oh. Or you could have really just been the difference maker there. That purchase, yeah, maybe a little gone through the rent that one month. Years, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the one thing I learned there was that it's run by. At least a manager that was there at the time was a Palestinian refugee from Lebanon to America. Um, and he, uh, they wouldn't sell Israeli flags. That was like the one thing that was really funny. They had all these other countries, you know, you get any country. The Confederate want. flag. But <laughs> that was when we get there. Yeah. Like they, they sold, they, they wouldn't sell the Israeli flag. Right. But the Confederate flag, Dixie, they sell that shit all over the place. Right. And they would say that's what they sell. Oh, the Gads did that's flag. What they would. Yeah. yeah. You get your don't tread on me. Yep. Don't tread on me is on there too. I and would imagine Dixie, they Rebel. got a lot of Trump merchandise too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Our I mean, favorite. Oh, Donnie El Jefe, yes, he's back, people. Return of the King, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and I, I just always thought that was funny that they they would sell uh, fucking <laughs> Confederate shit in Minnesota, but would have a moral front to yeah. Israel. I mean, I just love, <laughs> yeah, immigrant yeah. run. Stores, the idea man. of people here buying Confederate shit too is pretty funny. Alamo flags, you will be in my heart forever. Okay, so we have a really big story here with our friend Shay. And if anyone doesn't know, our Shay is originally from Guyana. In no, his not. country, he's from fucking Burnsville. Oh, he's from Burnsville. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. He's from Burnsville, but his parents are from Guyana, at least one. <laughs> and he needs to tap into that heritage because uh, oil has been found, black gold, ladies and gentlemen. He can become the new Guyanese oil prince. And hang out with uh, Mohammed bin Salman and all his kids that are stuck in the hotel. <laughs> oh, boy. And all that has been causing a big old uh, issue on the border with Venezuela. Yeah. And, you know, the expansion of uh, oil drilling there has been creating quite a story that I don't think actually has been talked about much. So I'm going to let my boy Shay This has been get this covered uh, pretty much at a surface level. Um, really, the big story here is uh, about 2013, Exxon was exploring for oil. And this, I think, was off oil. the coast of Guyana um, in what were eventually would be disputed waters between Venezuela and Guyana. And, um, well, they found it. <laughs> they found lots of it. Um, it's one of the the deepest oil, like largest oil reserves in the world right and, now. Uh, I discovered. Yeah, at that time, the government in Guyana was um, the head was uh, David Granger, so it's a different person than who is leading it right now. And it was. I remember my family members talking about it, and um, it was a big thing with who the government was going to choose to work with, whether it be Exxon or. 
you know, which oil company mm-hmm. were they ultimately going to play ball with? And um, well, it, it was Exxon that they ended up choosing. Um, and I think 2015, 2016 was when they found even more. Mm-hmm. They started um, the exploration, I believe, in about early 2010s. Yeah. Uh, even more, and this wasn't off the coast. This was uh, in, in what Jungle. is Essequibo, Essequibo region, um, which is about the western two thirds of Guyana. So it's how, if you had to do it to scale, how big is it compared to rest Guyana? Like twenty percent, fifty? No, it's like in terms of the land mass, it's yeah. most of Guyana. Okay. Oh, Probably yeah. a, a rough estimate about eighty percent, eighty percent, seventy seventy five, eighty percent. It is an so area this is a bigger valuable than, bigger than Portugal. Yeah, um, fairly large. Uh, I'm fairly certain Guyana has one of the most beautiful, like one of the most rich biodiversities on Earth because it's on the the yeah the it's jungle forest. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's very dense and it's very rich. Yeah, very min- mineral rich. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty famous for its uh bauxite bauxite mining which i think is used in um like aluminum refining Mm. if i remember Remember your chemistry yeah Yeah. um there's also other things you know gold and you know your favorite oil yeah well now there's that question is into yep into the yeah and it's uh it's causing an issue because uh, yeah a certain neighbor this aggressive uh, reformist, <laughs> unrevolutionary leader Nicolas Maduro <clears throat> is uh, having a referendum on if we should uh, try to acquire this territory from Guyana. Shay, how can we how can we reconcile the fact that a socialist government is trying to take over half of the country? This is an imperialist war, right? Slava Guyana? No, that's not how it works. Uh, go Guyana, <laughs> go go Guyana. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> It seems like there's there's a lot going on here. Um, so yeah, he he had issued a referendum uh, towards the end of last year, mm-hmm. um, December. But that's about all you'll get from most news sources these mm-hmm. days. Um, that's the and, most you're going to get from anyone about this is a border dispute and that they're allowing their citizens to vote to expand the region, right? Uh, which had been noted that pretty low turnout mm. in that election, but, um, or in those, those particular instances. Um, but this actually, this border conflict has gone. Has it gone crazy or. Yeah. I should take a look. Right or something. No, let's just cut right here and let him get some water. Yeah. So we're talking about Essequibo and the referendum and how, surface level the analysis is in the mainstream media and what should be yeah about. i mean you want to go down really there. though this uh has been a point of contention for a very long time um yeah uh like what centuries <laughs> yeah i mean it's well over 100 years old um mm-hmm. and obviously we've got some root in colonialism here i yes. think i know you're i know that really surprises you let me guess was it like uh my brothers and it's the british my favorite Allah. <sighs> colonized us twice oh, great. anyways 
So this oh, yeah. region has been in dispute between Guyana and Venezuela for centuries. Is that what you're telling me? It's not actually an imperialist war by Nicolas Maduro. No. The next Hitler, the next it Putin. It couldn't be. No? It couldn't be. Oh, man. Oh, man. Now I got to go. I got to go learn, Shay. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Let's just just tell me but what's anyways, going on. But anyways, it seems Venezuela and Guyana were started obviously long ago with... Um, how was Venezuela start with the Spanish? Spanish and then the British. Right. Well, the Spanish and the, the Dutch, right? Yes. Way that back. Was, that was Guyana. Yeah. But this was... Oh, man. See, oh, there's so much... Were you colonized more. by Spain in 1522? That's when it started. And then Venezuela declared independence. It never was a colony of Britain, but Guyana was... Uh, the Dutch took it over, and then after the uh, British were humiliated by, um, what the fuck is he called? George Washington. Yeah, I guess right. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah they, they needed a foothold. They needed a foothold in the Caribbean, which was considered a very valuable trading uh, zone of operation at right. the time of the New World. Um, and Venezuela declared independence in 1811 uh, during the Bolivarian Revolution, I believe, in Gran Colombia. So, like, that was a huge deal in South America at the time. It was trying to unite all these formerly colonized uh, republics in, into one grand nation. Now, of course, the British uh, also had colonial interests in the country. Like, they 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 ran Guyana. Um, they I think they went to war with Venezuela a few times. But, <clears throat> well, let's just go down. History time with Isaac. So, this particular region in, in Esquibo was originally part of Venezuela, but was taken by the British, given to the British, if I recall correctly. And this, there was a dispute between these two countries for, for decades, really. I mean, Britain and, and Venezuela would have these disputes. I think going back to the 30s, the 40s, in the 30s and 40s, they had explorers go down there trying to mark the border because the border is so uh, rural and jungle riven that uh, they were able to just take as much as they could. Wasn't there an agreement that, okay, you get this and we get that with British Guyana and Venezuela, mm -hmm. but the region, the disputed region here was like something that they both had agreed, okay, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. But then the British, of course, encroached into it anyway. Yep. And basically violated the treaty that had been agreed upon. Yep. And yeah. it resulted in and what they need to, they need to create a new arbitration between Guyana and Britain in 1899. And to finally, to try to, at that time, finally settle this border dispute. And of course, like in 1899, the colonial powers, they see a weak nation like Venezuela. I mean, I remember listening to, you all know who Mike Preisner is. He does a Empire Files show with uh, Abby Martin. It seems like this had been happening all over the place. I mean, this reeks like um, something like Panama, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where we just, There's just Panama a, wasn't even its, uh, its own country. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a sovereign nation. And nope. we just showed up and we're like, yeah, actually, this isn't Colombia anymore. Yep. And um, uh, here's us Americans. Like when Panama declared independence, um, pretty sure at the ceremony, there was no Panamanian people. No, there. It no. was all Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sort of the same thing we get here. That's kind of the history of, of just of this divvying region up. Too, yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's uh, Venezuela. Very it, reminiscent was, of what had happened. I was going to make the point that I think Mike Preisner said it once uh, during the midst of the Venezuela riots and coup d'etat attempt, seventeen and eighteen. 
how that country has had about 500 years of foreign meddling from colonialism of Spanish to today. Like uh, Spain has messed with them. Britain has messed with them. After the Monroe Doctrine, the United States began messing with them. Yep. Um, and by 1899, there was an arbitration agreement between Great Britain and Venezuela um, to settle this. Now, the problem was, it's 1899. They don't think Venezuelans are smart enough <laughs> to sort out their border disputes. So no Venezuelan represented these uh, uh, represented Venezuela at these arbitration agreement. 19, 1899, the Paris Arbitration Agreement. Um, instead, Shay, why don't you read the five guys that uh, that were settling this for Britain Sweet. and Venezuela? We've got uh, Melville Weston Fuller, who was the Chief Justice of Mayo. the United States. Mayo. Uh, David Josiah Brewer, who was uh, on the Supreme Court at the time. Sir Richard Hen Collins, Lord Justice of Appeal. That sounds like a Brit to me. Oh, my God. And Lord Herschel, former Lord Chancellor. Um, so, we're talking so did he die during this and was replaced by Charles Russell? It seems like it, but they were both marshmallows. Um, Lord Chief Justice of England and Wales. Oh, and then they had a Russian, right? Frederick Martins. Frederick Martins. Yeah, he's a diplomat of Russian jurists. Yeah, so, so we've got... Two British representatives, two Americans, and one Russian. Yeah. No Venezuelans represented here. Yeah, well, what do we need them for? <laughs> <laughs> Those silly little monkeys. Yeah, they'll just what take what we doing? give them. That's what the British probably thought. The British and the Americans. Because after the Monroe Doctrine, the Amer America got themselves involved in Latin America, effectively, after that, that doctrine in 18, what was 29, 23? Uh, and... Since then, they've been meddling in Venezuela along with all these other countries in South America, at least. Well, like really, what? that whole region, not yeah. just Venezuela. Of yeah. Course, but. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, it did its best to stomp out any real populist, new, different way of, of going with Venezuela, with Venezuela, with Bolivia, with Chile, with Peru, with any of those countries, uh, Brazil. Argentina, the you know, yep, the boot, they just too the weak yep. to do anything for themselves yeah. there. So it wasn't until did it for them. I mean, from Venezuela, it wasn't until really Hugo Chavez like took control of the country and and right. and did these massively popular social reforms that came in, and and you know he did it through oil revenue. And you know, one thing that I learned about Venezuela is that it's a it is a a lot of its infrastructure is just around oil. I mean, it's a petro state. It's a petro state, which is but, what Guyana is shaping up to be. Yep, and that's what Guyana is shaping <laughs> yeah, up to be too. So, so two petro states. A bit of a states. point of contention. There. Oil yeah. wars. Yeah. Episode one. Mm -hmm. Plantains or bananas? <laughs> um, so, no, Hugo. Hugo was massively popular for this, and he was uh, to his core an anti-imperialist. Like he kind of, he kind of really idealized um, uh, Simon Bolivar at the time. Uh, and and wanted to build a, a country for Venezuela for Venezuelans, and he also had an internationalist perspective on. It. I mean, we we both know that he had that famous. Uh, did you ever remember that speech he gave at the UN after Bush gave a speech in two thousand five? Oh, yeah. He started praying to. It's uh, <laughs> a crystal. I might have Justin just put in the audio <laughs> because this man just started praying to the Tim that the devil was amongst them, <laughs> and called uh, George Bush a terrorist at the time. Which trust me for me at the time was awesome. And for him, this border dispute was just, you know, this was a legacy of colonialism. And so he really wanted to, he really attempted to create a, a, a good faith arbitration on this border dispute over the 
over the issue of Essequibo. Is that right? How you pronounce it? Essequibo? Well, it depends yeah. who you ask. Venezuelans would probably say Essequibo. Essequibo? Guyanese would say Essequibo. Yeah. And, um, and you know, what is true, like I was making fun of Nicolas Maduro a little bit, but, you know, he's not, he's not a Putin. Right. He's, he's, he's dealing with the circumstances of his country. The guy was a, a bus driver before he became president. Like, and when he came to power, he wanted to institute a new constitution and all this, but he's not, I don't know if he's necessarily, you know, as much of an internationalist as Chavez because he's because of his, his, his desire to, to, to keep this uh, region under Venezuelan control, or at least have some influence in his destiny. But, you know, now, you know, you can also look at the other side too, you know, Shay, like he's, he's dealing with Exxon Mobil on his border. Yeah, I would have to say his material this conditions has are a lot more different. to do with him viewing the Guyanese government as uh, captive to United States interests, who he realizes is a, is a direct threat to his own yeah. uh, sovereignty. There was in, a coup attempt. Which is reasonable because, yeah, like you're saying, there is a coup attempt by the in Green Berets failed spectacularly. <laughs> and then they did they try to <laughs> didn't they attempt to assassinate him in 2018 with a drone? Yeah. Like a funky looking drone? Like that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're Folks, flying. look into that 2017 coup attempt. One of the funniest they fails. They put a by firecracker CIA. on a paper airplane and <laughs> threw it there. And <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it really shows you that the American empire is is very clownish and on decline that they can't but even. Yeah, I think there's certainly that perspective. And and this is why this is pretty complicated, because there's a perspective that he sees this as a threat to his nation's sovereignty because Guyana is, again, captive to United States interests. Yeah, now it is, particularly with it's evident. Um company in the country with how a mesh their government is with representatives from exxon mobile um you know you're seeing government officials mingling at cricket games with representatives from exxon mobile and you know if you're guyanese you know how important cricket is <laughs> um as is well it? as you have um I believe it was an Exxon Mobil petroleum engineer who was the head of the Guyanese EPA for a while. Well, so they're lovely. putting the fox in the hen house there. So they really are putting in the um, tentacles of corporate. So he really does see that. And it's, you know, it's understandable for him to see what's going on in Guyana as a threat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I that's mean, something, again, that you don't really now it get sounds, that context. It sounds funny because Guyana is what, like a hundred, like a million people? Guyana is uh, about 800,000 people. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there are more Guyanese people in America <laughs> than there is in Guyana. It's just, it's just... And, well, especially if you take the amount of Guyanese in, in North America. So if you say Canada, Canada and United yeah. States, there's definitely, definitely more Guyanese more. people outside of the country than there is in... In Guyana? Yeah. That's that's insane. It, it just sounds silly that like they're threatened by a country that's small, you know. Yeah, well, um, you, again, just from a, it, there, a, there are the signs. Uh, you have, no, oh, Guyana supposedly ruled this out, but there was talk of uh, having a United States military base. Mm, yeah, there because don't they know. have one in uh, Colombia? On the other side of the board. I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm not sure about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I and mean, they're they're fucking everywhere. But yeah. as far as I know, there isn't one uh on that side. 
now and to hear the Guyanese, you know, bring that into the conversation has got to be something that you feel like you need to deal with. Yeah. As Venezuela speaking. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a direct threat to their national sovereignty with a, with a, what looks like to be again, because I don't think that Maduro feels like he's dealing with Guyana on the same level that he feels like once again, he's dealing with the United States. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Cause like Exxon mobile, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not just any company. It's an American company. Like it's, it's it's run by Americans there. Standard oil. Yeah. It's the it's, legacy. Um and you know that there's chats in in private rooms in cricket and at football games here between ExxonMobil execs and politicians. Well that was the thing. Um back when they were deciding which companies they're gonna work with, it's America really wanted its company yeah. to be the one that gets to extract those resources and benefit from yeah. that situation. And, I, you know, ExxonMobil is enormous and they just had a time of record profits mm-hmm. uh, following COVID. And I'm sure they want to keep that rate of profit up. And, you know, this is a company that's what, third or fourth largest revenue yeah. of any company. It's one of the largest in the companies in the world. Exactly. Yeah, it has it has far reaching uh, uh, power and and ability to to change things. Yeah. I mean, they just went out and bought, I mean, I don't know how if it's exactly this, but they just went about and bought the politicians they needed in Guyana to, to, uh, to get the exploration rights and to get the drilling rights. Yeah. And Guyana's GDP has skyrocketed, but I, 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 I really question how yeah, the effective are cost of living is the fastest growing economy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Soon it'll be yeah. in the G8, G9. And that's another thing I'm thinking about is the skepticism that, the Guyanese people initially had yeah. to the situation with, mm, we don't like them getting involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that was probably rooted in some, some racism on the part of the Indo-Guyanese because David Granger yeah. uh, was ahead of the country when this initially started, when Exxon was originally getting involved. Is it more anti-black racism in Guyana or is it also anti-indigenous? Cause there's also indigenous people. Oh, there's and- certainly both, but, um, David Granger being a black man. Oh, I mean, I the, the parties there are, uh, you know, it's racially segregated. Yeah, is it? It's, oh, it's literally Indo-Guyanese and Afro-Guyanese. Those are the two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we were researching the story, I was look, reading about the founders of of two political parties there. Uh, Chetty Jagan, I think his name was. And and what was the other one? Uh, Forbes. Something? Forbes Burnham. Forbes Burnham. And they split uh, during their independence movement against the British. Yeah. And uh, which was promoted by uh, Britain, our favorite, uh, <laughs> Mr. Dulles. Oh, my God. Terrorist. Well. Children of Alan Dulles. This is kill when, yourself. Um, when Isaac's favorite three letter organization was getting involved. Oh, Christ. Those people. Certainly we don't hear that much about. But the CIA is a terrorist organization. There is another uh, perspective as well um, with. At that time, a more right-wing leader of Venezuela. Oh, yes. Really being, feeling threatened about the independence movement that was going on in Guyana and who was to be. Because he was anti-communist. Exactly. Because he viewed and, uh, the, what was the, the People's Progressive Party at the time in, in Guyana mm-hmm. under Chedi Jagan was seen as a communist by him. They were more of like a social democratic party, if my understanding is correct. Yeah, at the time, correctly, but, not really revolutionary um, you know 
it wasn't in line with the Soviets or anything like that either, but still. Yeah. And so he had, he had a vested interest in having, uh, uh, the, what was the other party called? Um, the PNC. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, reading about these, both, both of these nations had real anti-colonial struggles and, and fighting for their independence. And now it's kind of just sad irony that they're now, that they're now being confronted with one another over, uh, for America, really. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a small nation. It's very poor, and everyone lives on the coast in Guyana. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, most people, most of the population lives on the coast, but there's a lot of indigenous that still live in the interior. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Are most people poor there? My understanding is that they're living like what I looked at yeah, was they're living on five dollars a day. Again, I think why the attitude has changed now because again, under David Granger, when this initially was happening, when Exxon was reaching its tentacles in the, the region here, yeah, um, it was a uh, part of um, a time of economic stagnation. So there's another reason why, you know, now you have the word development getting thrown around and, oh, we have uh, the fastest growing economy in the world. So they've taken such a different stance because they see this is our chance and they're rallying behind yeah. the government, which they had initially been skeptical of. Now it's a whole different story yeah. <laughs> because well, there's can, that economic development. You can buy a progressive politician, oh, ask AOC, you, you know, <laughs> you, can, you can do that pretty easily. Uh, Tax not, the rich. Yeah. Or eat the rich, whatever the fuck it is. Something the rich, man. Yeah, an address. <laughs> oh, Christ. I mean, kill the rich, damn right. Uh yeah, I mean, what else do you want to talk about with this thing, man? Well, again, the, the perspective... I mean, Guyana I is going to be... I a, do think that right. the anti-communism thing can't be understated here because, you know, in the 50s when the parties split at uh, at the support of colonial powers, mm-hmm. specifically the United States, it's again having shades of... With the 1899 treaty... Um, yeah, reeking like you know what was going on in Panama. This is like what was going on in Guatemala in the fifties. Things like yeah. that, you know, yeah. like oh, you have a little bit of CIA intervention mm-hmm. going on, um, all in the name of anti-communism. Yeah, and really, and, like if you, uh, yeah, keep going about that. Yeah. I mean, they had viewed uh, Forbes Burnham as the Liberal. less threatening yeah. option for Guyanese independence, and did you know what they could to yeah. support him. Yeah. And uh, what they could to railroad Mr. Jagan. Yeah. Mr. Jagan, who, you know, really like Shea probably looks up to him a lot because not only was he, you know, uh, much more of a, a unionist guy, a labor guy, you know, he, he also liked his white girls. You know, Shea, Shea, Shea he married a, a, a Rosenberg in America. Rosenberg. And now she's now in, in Venezuela. She actually became, he, he I looks think, up to that. president of Guyana for a couple of years in the late 90s. Yeah, she yeah. became involved in politics there. It's yeah. pretty easy probably there. Well, she's listed as a founder of the, the PPP. So Yeah. 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 It's uh, Chetty and Janet Jagan. Yeah. What was Chetty doing before he was in politics? Was he a dentist? Yeah, he was a dentist. He was educated um, mm. Northwestern in Chicago. <sighs> wow. It's yeah. close to the uh, the Freedom Boys, right? <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <clears throat> Yeah, no. yeah, that's where he met Janet as well. Yeah, and she was working as a nurse. Yeah, and you know the country remained poor for such a long time until now. Recently, their economic—I mean, at least the for the, the bourgeois and the rich in that country—and for Exxon Mobil, 
money is going to be rolling in. They projected in Financial Times, I think they projected that they're going to have 400,000 barrels of oil a day. By yeah, the, a the year, I should Michael say, by 2025. Is, is pretty prescient here with them. Yeah. It's not underdeveloped. It's not poor. Mm-hmm. It's overexploited. You're right. And here yeah. we go. Good, good, you know? good catch there, buddy. You know? Yeah. Um, that, that is what it is. It's, it's, it's been, a very beautiful country. It's yeah. rich with, you know, natural beauty. It's got Kaitra Falls. I think it's one of the, it, if not, is the largest waterfall in the country, in the world. Really? Um it has, you know, all these, you know, mineral resources and things like that. It's a, it's a, it's a rich country, but it's poor it's because are, of what outside right. forces are exactly. doing to it. And you see it in America's backyard. You know, the life America. outcomes for these people, not exactly healthy. Um, Don't they have one of the highest suicide the, rates? Probably right now, what is the second or third highest suicide rate in the world? God. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a lot because these people especially in more rural areas near the coast, um, just really have no prospects and turn to yeah. alcoholism and mm-hmm. eventually, you know, yeah, it's a, it, leave you down yeah, they're in the, the hole. <clears throat> yeah. They, they're not going to get any of the benefits of, of the, of the land that they are receiving right now. No. That's what the understanding is. It's, it's more, it's, it's, it's kind of reminds me of like what you said, Guatemala of all these, of all these rich country, rich in resources and, and biodiversity and people that are just poor because a foreign power, the United States of America, in this case, for most of these places and the British, we're not going to forget those little ugly fuckers. Uh, they're, they're involved in, in destroying this con- these countries and taking what they need by force. And I mean, if you look at Venezuela, just think about like, if you're a Maduro, you know, like you just had a coup, uh, you, 2002, your predecessor got ousted briefly by the right-wing military backed by the United States. Then in 2017, when you got elected after Chavez died, they tried to detain you again. You're under stringent economic sanctions and uh, constant assassination attempts, including with really shitty drones. And now you see your neighbor... Really being toyed with, too, because remember when we... um the Biden administration went to Venezuela for help with the oil prices. <laughs> That's right. Oh, we came back on our knees like dogs begging for that black gold, baby. We were begging for that. Oh my God. We will put on a whole, you know, ugh, God. Yeah. But in his perspective, he's seeing these national security threat. And now he has his neighbor doing military training with, the people who tried overthrowing him. And by the way, this isn't the first time that Guyana has cooperated with the United States uh, militarily. It's, it seems like there had been the staging ground for some operations that happened in Africa and yes, they, they, South, didn't they train? Southeast Asia. Yeah, they, they, they would do that because there for the training. Terrain is similar. The terrain is similar. Right. Yeah, so really, unfortunately. So there is a history there. That's nothing really new. Yeah. Not much of a Guyanese prince, huh, Shay? Just kind of a, a rug rat just sitting out there on the coast on uh, George, Georgetown. Is that right? <laughs> uh, Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they are coordinating with the United States and is effectively just a client state at this point. I mean, they, they, they went in 2020 during the midst of the pandemic and hung out with Mike Pompeo at Fran Ali, if I recall correctly. He spent time there to try to get military support and, right. and, and more drilling access. And, and it, really, any escalation between Venezuela and Guyana 
at this point, we'll probably ask the United States to come and help them out. We'll get involved, which would be another war the United States is in. Keep in mind, the United States is still trying to help Ukraine out as best as it can. It's kind of given up on them. Uh, people have forgotten about the Ukraine Avi flag in the bio is no, is no longer there, really. Um, and then they're also fighting, helping Israel commit a genocide in Gaza. And because of that, they're getting attacked all over the place in their military bases, like in Syria, like in Iraq, like in uh, off the coast of Lebanon. They've been shooting drones at the U.S. Air, 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 aircraft carriers there. So the United States, I mean, this is a something that could become a, a serious military escalation in the next few years. You know, you know, it takes time for these things to yeah, develop. Sometimes. Especially as the existing oil supply uh, gets any more precarity you yeah. know, with these existing conflicts, because you have, you know, Russia on one side and yep. um, potentially a wider conflict in the Middle East that could really. Um, scramble things yeah. in terms of the oil supply yeah i mean so recently going the, to that region like again like biden already went to venezuela yeah. and tried to ask for you know uh, lighten up those sanctions yeah if you yeah. help us out here um so now that guyana which you know basically is uh behaving as our uh as our lap dog yeah um is going to have this amount of oil available. I see this becoming a greater issue mm -hmm. uh, in the coming years. And America will take its backyard seriously. You know, the Middle East is thousands of miles away. Southeast Asia, where they failed in Vietnam, thousands of miles away. But here, it, it, where we think is our backyard, our zone of control, we are going to be involved militarily here at some point. This is, I mean, you know, glory to the Bolivarian Revolution and, and Chavez, Chavez's uh, history, but you guys need to be prepared for what's coming because the great Satan is at your door and he keeps biting and biting. So He's make not. sure you wear that repellent. Yeah. And make sure you work with the, uh, the drug lords there too. Yeah. <laughs> Just, they, they help with security. Of course they do. You mean the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. You know, another example. That's the only of, thing it's missing over on that side is is the drugs, man. I don't know. You don't really hear too much. About you don't that. think you don't think the Maduro government made Guyana deals outside with, of this is really only famous for what Jonestown? Yeah, right? Jonestown. And that people might have their own uh, hunches as to <laughs> the reasons behind that whole saga. But um, Shay, what's your yeah. favorite Guyanese dish? Oh man, you know. Before it becomes Venezuelan, of course, because we got Mutler, uh, Hitler, Putler, Maduro. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I got to say, I like my roti, man. Roti? You know, I don't really eat too much Guyanese food. I'm a Westerner. Uh, that's right. I'm that's sorry. the thing with Shay, ladies and gentlemen. He likes to talk I've shit about America, ruined. but he likes cheeseburgers and, and simple pasta. So what? Isaac, on the other hand here, will try all sorts of oh, cuisine. Whatever. I am a man of the world. Okay. Give me anyone. Ethiopian, pow, fire. Italian, man, okay. Arabic, definitely good. Indian, gas. I don't view food the same way as other people do. No, no. If see. you could give me just a gelatinous brick Ooh. of calories, I'd probably be fine Ooh. with it. No, no, man. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that... I'm really so devoid of humanity right now, but I mean, yeah, folks, I'm sorry. I don't enjoy it like that. Yeah, well... 
Guys, I'll try to take him to at least start with pizza or something. Something easy. Christ. Eh, I suppose. Okay, how about... uh, What the hell do you not eat? Let me give you some spicy curry, bitch. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what people love there is their doll, doll and roti. And it's a lot of Indian cuisine. Yeah. Um, combined with... um. You know, Caribbean cuisine. Yeah, well. I bet it's fire. I Shay. love plants. I bet if dude, you gave it a shot, good. I bet if you gave it a shot, you asked your your grandma to cook you something. She would make you something pretty dope. Yeah, no, she does all the time. But um, you just don't eat again, it. Again, I'm just not that. Where's the Wendy's cheeseburger, Grammy? I mean, we have. They've got uh, Popeyes and KFC and all that stuff down there. Oh, right they? Too, yeah. So, uh, yeah. In the Arab world, they love. They love KFC. Yep. KFC is the shit. They love it down there. I don't know why. It's not even the best chicken fried chicken place in the country here. Like fast food wise. It's pretty mid, in my opinion. Uh well, everybody, just remember the United States is is also playing a hand in this border conflict that we've been riffing about the last 20, 30 minutes here. Um, if it weren't for America, I'm sure Guyana and Venezuela that would if they were allowed to be more organically, you know, grow and develop as countries, they would have a, a, a pretty tight relationship. Yeah. I mean, it, just uh, don't be afraid to delve into this a little bit more than what you might see, uh, you know, as headlines. Yeah. Don't immediately. So much more behind this. It's, yeah. Uh, pretty criminal. Yeah. I, I, I'm being serious on this part here. Cause I was, I've been making fun of Maduro a lot here, but like the guy, I mean, you got to look at what he has been going through as in, in the country in terms of like economic sanctions, starvation right. issues, trying to rewrite a constitution where your right wing government, right wing part of the country is just refusing to be involved and shooting political organizers Constant and stuff. Being ousted. Yeah. Like by internal or external. Yeah. Or both like the immediate, threads. the immediate thing here from the, you know, the, the, anti-tanky uh, you know those kind of leftists anti anti-commie lefts leftists are talking about like how maduro is actually bad and and is an imperialist and things like that you'll start hearing this language if this ever goes into a border conflict goes into a military confrontation you're gonna hear them describe maduro in the same way they describe you know any other <laughs> socialist state that outside of the west they're gonna be critical of them you got you gotta look into it a little bit more it takes a little time, but you got you got to look into it. As uh, Angel Gabriel said to Muhammad, "Ikra bismi rabbika aladhi khalaq." Read in the name of thy Lord. Get yourself some education, my friends, before we start immediately calling the new enemies of the state. So watch out for this one, everybody. This is a this one is potentially a big one that'll come in the future day, future years. Really, I, I mean, I feel like this one's going to brew a little bit. Shay, between yeah, Diana and I'm sure show. there'll be future episodes where this might come up again. Yeah, we might have some new developments. It might actually be a military For confrontation. Sure. It, yeah, potentially. Inshallah, no, but like, Lord, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a good episode, Shay after the first episode I was all nervous about like recording and stuff and how it works. So now I'm just focused on writing. And I think as we keep going, we're just going to start rolling through these and start killing it. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm feeling good about this. Any recaps on this story, particularly Jay, on Venezuela, Guyana, how we should in America view this living in the belly of the beast, living in the butt crack of the great empire in Minnesota. Well, I, <laughs> Certainly think that you need to realize that high crack, high crack, 
tramp stand nearby. Venezuela is, you know, they're taking these actions because uh, I think their hand is somewhat forced, yeah. <laughs> you know, by uh, our corporate intervention um, yeah. in the region. So, you know, this didn't come out of a vacuum. The man didn't just decide, well, we need to go ahead and annex that mm-hmm. or anything. Um, it's a lot behind the scenes that needs to be brought to light. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Honestly, if you take anything from this, if any American that calls themselves on the left in this country should always have a a bias towards anti-war and anti-interventionism because it's much, much, much better than whatever the fuck we're doing now. Yeah. Just don't don't be interested in expanding wars in the name of, you know, women's rights or in the name of, you know, a quote unquote anti-imperialist war and things like that. Always be opposed to wars they want you to support here in this country. You have to be suspect of that, suspicious of that. Because uh, they're only fighting those wars for the interests of the corporate capitalist class. You're not going to get any of the, the benefits. The Iraq war, if, if anything tells us that, we're not getting any of the benefits that the Iraq war brought us from what they got. So, I mean, I, I would join a local anti-war organization. I would just go to rallies. I've taken Shea there. I've taken some of my other homies there and you know they might not be explicitly communist or socialist even um they might even have opinions that you we find a little just like (laughs) lame you know (laughs) you know but but striving to end the american empire is always a worthwhile endeavor in my opinion because we're not going to be better in this country until we defeat the empire that we wrought on the world so we must look inwards at ourselves that's kind of my view on that. Oppose war, everybody. There is there no war but class war. Again, a great example, Aaron Bushnell. Yes. Yes. Rest you in know, peace to a real debate one about the method, but I think the message is what's important. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Rest in power, Aaron. You a real one, G. Oh, Shay. Well, we're getting close to the end here, so. I usually like to talk about just lighter stuff since we've been talking about people setting themselves on fire, cops getting gatted, and border disputes and future wars. Uh, Jay, did you catch the All-Star game between, between the East and West in the NBA? No. No? Didn't. Oh, God. Sorry. I'm the only one out of the three of us that really like the NBA like that, to be honest. Like, did you catch the Carabao Cup final, Isaac? The what? Carabao Cup final. The fuck is that? What is that? Is that, is that? is that like a like he knows about sports? Shut uh, up. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Is it soccer? Is it that silly game? Yeah, a where Dutch Surinamese man scored the winning goal. Actually, <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke. Did he didn't even use his hands? Liverpool crowned champions of that uh, competition. All I'm saying is a sport where you, where you could be armless and still be he a good did. player. He literally scored a game-winning header as well. Yeah, like he didn't use his hands. God, well, good for him. What was his name? Virgil Van Dyke. Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah. Ah, nice. Liverpool. 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 Okay. Yeah. Didn't um with the who, who, a lot of that you know they played for the Netherlands national team, which a lot of their players do come from this region, Suriname. Yeah, they got some players, huh? Yeah, they got some. A lot players. of their legends, Rude Hullet, uh, Rickyard. You know, a lot of players come from Suriname, right next to Guyana. Oh shit! No, yeah. don't. No joke. Okay. Cool. 
Yeah, well, I caught a little bit of the All Star tournament, and it was fucking lame. I mean, I'm an NBA fan See. forever. I love my NBA Jam on 64. I, I, you know, like I well, love. Well, no one play, the games. They, No one's trying to get injured, right? No. So they're not no, going to take. They're it not seriously. even. They're not even I mean, like. Yeah, that's the that's the other thing too. Like a lot of people in the NBA are just complaining because all the players just take time off. They just like they they take they load manage is what they call it instead of playing the 82 game schedule you know you just load manage yourself to 60 and you know go play in the finals essentially they're doing that they did that last year with lebron and ad that's why they went from a playing team to the nba western conference lebron is not exactly a spring chicken no he's 39 no he's a i think the man needs his rest yeah i really think they should be trying to get through those books man yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the finally Godfather. trying to get through it. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, we should really deliver a uh, state and revolution to LeBron. See what he maybe he can it. get past the front cover. I know if he gets past the if he gets past the first twenty pages, we have a chance in this country, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. What do you mean? What would the? Oh, he was reading the Godfather with his teammates back in the day. He would read the Godfather series with his teammates during the playoff run in 2018 against the uh, when they went to the NBA Finals. He carried just a dog. That was the game where Ky- not Kyrie, what's his name, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith, yeah, my he, favorite. He, he just like just started Didn't bouncing around. Didn't know you that timeout or not. Yeah. Fucking idiot. But yeah, that was the one there. So yeah, it inspired the meme. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I thought the meme was though LeBron is always reading a book, but he's never getting past the first page. <laughs> That was the thing. It's yeah. always him with a book open and it's just never in the middle or the end. It's always at the front of the book. Like he just opened it. Yeah. So know. it's just a photo op. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. That is it. Probably. He likes to think of himself as an eccentric, smart guy, businessman. Something. He likes like carrying that. around a glass of red wine when he goes in the locker room sometimes, you know. Uh he has his own um Gosh, he had yeesh, I think was a thing. He he, he had a shirt called yeesh because he used to say that all the time and would sell it on, on there. Oh, so boy. LeBron, you know, I don't hate him. I think he is the GOAT personally. Um, and then uh, uh, Tim Duncan's number two. Uh, Michael Jordan's not even the top five. So don't even fuck with me on that, people. Um, I'm kidding. And uh, he really sees himself as a businessman just as much as he is a NBA all-star, like a, one of the best of all Never time. Never seen that before. Yeah. He, he, he's a, he's doing pretty good there. And yeah, yeah, but he's done. Like the Lakers are done. The, the wolves, this is why you guys need to be fans. Cause they're yeah, like the second or they're second, pay attention now. second seed, man. Like Anthony Edwards is, he might be the next Michael Jordan. He's just a dog. He's just a crazy athlete. And then they have one of the better defenses in the NBA. Cats not being annoying, except on Friday night when they played the Bucks. Oh, God, I watched. No, no. See, I, yeah, you're not much of a, a basketball fan, Justin. No, no. Did you ever try taking shots as a kid, shooting? Did you play? You played a little bit of basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, I was always, you know, me. I'm, they just put me get underneath the, the post. Yeah, ever the gourmand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't shoot. I got bad fatigue, but I'll get a rebound if you need it. <laughs> That's kind of my game. Um yeah, but I watched that Wolves Bucks game on Friday and that was a lot. I mean, they're a fun team. They lost that game because they had like the worst third quarter ever. But it's just always fun watching sports with people who aren't sports fans, like my partner. He just he 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 can't he he just gets bored as hell and you know, he wants to look at asses. That's all he does. Yep. 
He yep. laughs at the jumping. <laughs> when we play That's FIFA together, I, yeah. he says show hole, you know. Yeah. There's all sorts of, of things like that. Yeah. Yeah, watching sports with a partner who doesn't care is, um, you know, I love her for it. Yeah. I, say. I watched the, that Vikings-Lions game where really they threw a pick. They were at home. Well, see, I that? wouldn't put her through that. Yeah, That's I screamed. That's the sort of thing no! you show someone in a room, like when they're tied to a chair with just one light bulb overhead. That God kind damn, of situation. Then you put on the Vikings, and that's yeah. real torture. Yeah. If if you ever want to think of what would be a hell for Isaac, it would be strapped to a chair, watching the Blair Walsh miss yeah. field goal over Christian Ponder Melbourne. highlights. <laughs> Christian Ponder highlights. Yeah, his like seven yard dump off <laughs> to Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, <laughs> thirty handoffs to Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Uh, fuck, ladies and gentlemen, one day we'll have a good team here in Minnesota. Maybe we don't deserve it based on what we did to fucking Buck Hill, huh? Maybe we, maybe it's our problem. Maybe it's our fault. Okay. You know, yeah. maybe a little self introspection. You need to get into the, the international sport of soccer, Isaac. I can't. I mean, I, I like yeah. the Spurs a little bit just because I watched them with you. But other than that, I, I, I like the World Cup. I, I only root for like third world countries, though. This guy. I'm not going to root for Germany in the World Cup. Are you shitting me? No, I'm not rooting. I'm not rooting for that. Your favorite Middle Eastern country just won the Asian Cup. Um, Qatar. Qatar did. Yeah. Oh yeah. With what? Yeah, everyone's favorite country. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, my top three favorite Middle wow. Eastern countries: Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar. <laughs> there was a really good story with uh, an Afcon. Um, Ivory Coast won after having been. They actually sacked their manager like mid-tournament and then had a player be a player manager and they won it. The host nations of that competition <laughs> came around and won that. Nice. Pretty interesting. That's cool. Fairytale yeah. story, actually. Should we go watch a loon game? You know, we live right here and I just have the MLS, the level of that is so fucking painfully low that... <laughs> I mean, watching Premier League and then going to watch the MLS, it's like, man, watching these guys like track back, they can't they even got, run. Do they got replacement reps right now? I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, I don't know how big of a problem that is. Cause like I said, I don't watch MLS. I'm not that interested in it. No. Um, it seems right now that it's just like um, a showcase for Messi being in the United States. He's on Inner Miami. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not much. Which would be cool. Yeah. Maybe if he yeah. shows up here, we'll go see him. You know, we've been planning a fucking bowling outing for all for all of us here. We why don't we just go, go to why don't we go to the Loons game? Why don't we just go? I don't want to go to a Loons game. All right, we can go bowl then. We need a bowl as long as we got Fuck guardrails. The loons, man, as of right now, I oh, the level of competition, man. All right. Last last sports question here is Kirk Cousins coming back to the Minnesota Vikings? Shay, Justin says no. <laughs> I think this is your area of expertise. <laughs> I mean, I... You love the Vikings and the Lions, your favorite teams. Oh, man. Ugh. You have a poster of Barry Sanders on the wall in your house. This year was so on tough. I mean, will he give us the best chance now? Probably. Yeah. Is it the right choice for the future? No. <laughs> no. He's, uh, he's 36 years old, guys. But we'll see what our derivatives trader. Oh God! Has to yeah, do, has to say yeah. about it. That's another whole different episode about businesses, business people, and sports management. 
Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to us today. It's been Isaac and Shay. Hope you had. Uh, hope you learned a little bit today, because I learned a little bit today. And you all have a great night. Thank you so much. <laughs>